Welcome to Fierce, Fun, Feminine, and Other F-Words. I'm Christine Elizabeth, and I help women unstuck themselves. Today's episode is about infidelity inside a faith-based marriage. We hear from Lisa Devine, mother of five, who suffered from not only one incident, but multiple incidents of infidelity with her loving husband. She found herself on the floor of her bathroom contemplating whether she wanted to live another day. I want you to approach this episode with an open mind, understanding that we all come from different faiths, different stories, different wants and needs, and all of us can end up on the other side in a journey that helps us feel more in line with our own truth. Lisa found a way to thrive. She had to tap into some serious fierceness and bravery to get there. I hope you're inspired by her story. Let's listen. I'm so excited about our guest today because she is sharing a real and raw, very personal story of her before and after through infidelity. This is Lisa Devine, born and raised, living in Michigan, married for 26 years, mother of five. And she has so much to share. I don't want to take up any more time. I want to get Lisa going. So Lisa, welcome to this podcast. Thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Tell me a little bit about uh, your marriage and how you met your husband and what the, what the beginning of your marriage was like. So we met at college at Michigan State University in the elevator, actually. And I thought he was very strange because he kept talking to me. And he was in his pajamas. And I thought, this is a very odd guy. And um, so kind of a, you know, um, he sort of, I would say, sort of chased me for that first year. And I, and I, I literally, the other girls in the dorm that knew him from the year before said, stay away from that Jeff Devine. And I thought, okay, I will. Well, by the next year, you know, he had me, he was crying one day telling me something about his childhood. And so it just got me in the heart. So from there, we just kind of started a romance and, um, you know, I finished school. He kind of, he did drop out of school and went back to live with his parents for a little while, but, um, we ended up uh, getting engaged and, uh, he hadn't gotten what I considered a real job yet. So I told him, well, I'll go to grad school. Um, and we can get married after that. So, you know, kind of get your life together. And <laughs> so we ended up, uh, he ended up wanting to be a police officer like his dad and was kind of afraid to apply for the state police. So I sort of did it for him. And, um, he, uh, ended up getting an interview and from there was able to, you know, take the, take charge on his own. And we got married shortly after, um, for me, I had um, become a Christian when I was in high school, but had walked away from my faith all through college. And about this time, I really um, wanted to uh, come back to that. And, and I had sort of what I said, put Jesus on a shelf. And I said, I'll come back to you later, Jesus. And uh, so at this time, I really wanted to um, get serious about my walk with the Lord again. And um, so I shared that with Jeff and he also, uh, when he ended up going to like a, a conference with my dad and he ended up, um, putting his faith in Christ as well. And so, you know, it was kind of like this storybook wedding where we were both Christians and we were happily getting married. Um, unfortunately we had, you know, you know, we had had sex before we were married. And for me, that ended up being a very, mm, you know, like guilt ridden thing. It was like, once we got married, I, I struggled, um, with the guilt of that. And, 
I think that that baggage that I brought in from just other previous, you know, uh, relationships and things that I had brought into the marriage that, that definitely, um, set the stage for me, uh, to struggle in that area. Um, and I was also very much a perfectionist. So, you know, if I wasn't being good, then, um, you know, I struggled with that. Okay. Can I pause you right here? Yeah, we know that he went on to be a police officer, but what did you study? Because you said you wanted to grad school. Yes, yes, yes. So I got a bachelor's and a master's degree in social work. And I did work in the field for a short time. Uh, I was never, I never ended up back then. They didn't have the same licensing licensing situation as there is now. Um, so I never was really actually licensed. I worked for a short time, um, but I was really, you know, excited about having children. And um, so at the time uh, we ended up having our first son when I, I think we've been married two and a half years. And um, so I chose to stay home and uh, I just was very led to, well, actually, that's how I met you, Christine, right? For having home births. So I actually had all five of my kids at home. And um, yeah, and uh, and then I homeschooled them all. So I just... What was that? You're like super mom. <laughs> well, you know, I, people think that I'm a little weird, but you know, I'm okay with that. That's okay. Uh, I, I, yeah. You do it the way you do it. You just painted a picture of... Young people, you were very vision oriented. It sounds like, like, go get a job. You need to get your act together. I'm not going to marry you. Mm-hmm. On his feet, but you both have great jobs. Your degrees in social work, and you seem like you're involved in your church and you're family centric, right? Yes. So everything is. Yeah, very that's, okay. that's very good summary. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So uh, now you have your first son, and we're get, getting ready to get into your story. And I want you to just be able to share your story because we know our listeners know that we're here talking about infidelity. So mm-hmm. I'm going to just let you go. And uh, if I find anything that just sparks interest, I'm going to just, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to hit pause really quick to have you enlighten us a little bit more and share more on that part. But I want to just hear a little bit about what happened, because it sounds like you were happily married in the beginning and, mm-hmm. you know, you were aware of your perfectionism and all of those things, but it sounded like you were both on the same page. So I'm going to just let mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. So we were very happily married. We were very in love. And I'll, and now I can tell you that there are, there were red flags back then, you know, that I, um, that I either kind of chose to ignore, or I just really didn't think were a big deal, but now I would know they, they were. Um, so, yep. So we, uh, he ended up getting that job with the state police and, um, we ended up getting, you know, sent from the Academy. We were located at, into a small rural, area rural town of Michigan and so we kind of just set up this like kind of I don't know picture perfect white picket fence type life in this little small town and um and we were very happy and we had the five children in a 10-year period so I was pregnant and nursing for 10 years (laughs) pretty much and uh (laughs) That And so, you know, and again, I, I just threw myself into that. I just threw myself into being a mom and um, homeschooling. I just was very, um, I guess, convicted to do that. Like I just was really into it. It was my life and I made it my full-time job very seriously. And I just, we loved, we loved our family life and, you know, our church life and, and all of that. That's, it's, it's really that simple for, for me. You know, I was chasing after the Lord. I was doing my very best to be a great wife and to be a wonderful mom. And that was my goal. And I was, you know, doing my best to do that. Um, meanwhile, my husband, you know, was working in this job that brought, I mean, I, I he's, 
you know, the whole PTSD thing, PTSD thing of, of cops, I think is a really, it's a real thing. You know, the stuff that he dealt with over the years, um, you know, just, he, he really didn't have a healthy way of handling it and handling his stress. And, um, you know, I, I, again, some of, in hindsight, it's easy to tell this now because I can know now at the time, this is what was happening. You know, he, um, he, compartmentalized hyper compartmentalized not the not a normal healthy way of doing that but like hyper hyper where he he describes it as warehouses in his brain his his house his brain was a warehouse and he was able to put everything in boxes you know and um and so that's how he dealt with maybe a, a really nasty you know scene at work or terrible things that have happened to children and the stuff that he had to deal with um that really caused him a lot of stress but um early on um you know we uh, we had different things that came up though that I was not aware of. For example, you know, pornography uh, came up early in my marriage and it was something my dad had to tell me about because he's the one that discovered it or my sister-in-law told him or something along those lines. And so it was, you know, just this horrifying thing that I had to deal with. And all of a sudden, you know, my perfectionism kicks in, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm what's wrong with me. You know, I must be more perfect. And um, so we kind of worked through that and, and was or at least, you know, at least I thought we did, huh? Right. So was that an escape for him and how he was dealing with maybe some yes. trauma at work? Okay. Yes. I mean, it was also a coffee table reading in his home growing up. Okay. So it was something that he had already developed at a, at a very young age, probably 12, 13, 14 years old. It became his escape and way of dealing with things. And, and along with the, you know, the behavior that goes along with that. Right. So if a woman is married and discovers pornography uh, that her spouse or if uh, vice versa, anyone is involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that a precursor to an affair or can it stop there? Is that something that's a red flag? I mean, I think that there's a lot of different opinions on that. But to me, I consider pornography having an affair to some degree because it's sex is in marriage is to be an intimate thing between two people. And, um, and, and you're right, because what that does is it, 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 um, it takes away from what God really intended for you to have. It actually hurts your intimacy. Um, it causes them to really not actually, it keeps them from learning how to be intimate. Let's put it that way. So therefore they can't do that very well with a real person then. And so you had to tackle the pornography issue. We did. But again, I was young and not super educated on that. Like I knew I didn't like it. I knew it made me feel terrible, but I really didn't understand um, the real depths of what it does to people. Do you think he let it go at the time? Well, yeah. So he would, he would control it, I think. And he would, he would work at it because you know what? He, he really truly loved the Lord too. This this is what we came to believe, came to understand was a true addiction for him that he wanted to stop. So I would not say that it's always a precursor that they're going to do something further, but if it's somebody that is, is um, already really entrenched, you know, generally speaking, addictions need more. They need something more. They need riskier behavior. They need whatever, something to get a deeper high, you know? Um, So next, so, you know, we kind of worked through that, you know, and then the internet came along and I remember, you know, he would be in chat rooms and I just, you know, that whole thing came along and we had to kind of work through that. And so it was just a constant, um, a discussion, a constant struggle, a constant, I was constantly working on, you know, 
trusting him and trying to love him and be who I was supposed to be to him. Um, and, and he really was trying to do that too. Um, but you know, and, and life happened, life was still happening and it was good. We really had a good life. We did all the things, right? Like we've always been good communicators. We've always been going on dates and, um, honestly, I, you know, we really, we did have and have had a really good and fun. We're friends. We love doing a lot of the same stuff. We, we, you know, we just do crazy things and we have a great time together, but this was just kind of this, this underwriting thing that constantly happened or constantly bothered me, you know, or come up in some way or another. The next thing was that happened is, um, we were going, let's see, we were, uh, 10 years, I think into our marriage. And at that time I had been doing a lot of personal work, a lot of work on myself, um, on my guilt, right. Being forgiven, forgiving myself and, um, and just really doing a lot of work in that way. And it was allowing me to love my husband better. You know, I was really working on that. He went away to a training in Florida and, uh, he was gone for two weeks and, uh, I didn't find out until three months later, but he had had a two night stand with a waitress down there. And, um, you know, so that was, uh, the shattering of my heart where, you know, I, he called me from Colorado actually to tell me because he had taken my son to a father son retreat with another, you know, with a friend and his son. And he called me in the night to tell me this. And, um, it just became such a horrifying uh, reality that I couldn't, and, and, and I will say, and this is what I learned. Okay. So here's one thing that I learned, um, this time, because we didn't really seek help. We were single income. You know, I was a stay at home mom. I was the couponing type, you know, and, um, you know, we, I was embarrassed. I wanted to protect him. I didn't want anybody to know that about him because I figured it would make me look bad too, right? It would make what's wrong with me. I didn't want my parents to know who lived next door to us. You know, we're very in intertwined with them. And so we basically ended up not getting any outside help. We did not tell anybody other than like a couple of very close friends. And it took me, and, and I had two years probably of utter just that's when I learned what anxiety was like. <laughs> that's when I learned what anxiety and panic attacks were like, um, you know, and just trying to homeschool my kids, trying to love my family, but, and try to act like nothing was wrong. Like when I, when I was with other people and that was a very long, arduous time in my life. Um, and I would say it took me about two or three years to feel sort of normal, like feel like myself again. Um, and a good seven or eight years to really heal. And it's funny because that's a really long time and we were living life and raising kids and still doing a good life. But like I somehow was, um, simultaneously, you know, juggling all of that, but still really like working hard on myself and really trying to get to the place where I could forgive and I could love the way God wanted me to like, that was the way my brain was working. Um, and I know it was about seven or eight years because I journal, and, um, I wrote in my journal, you know, um, you know, thank you Lord for, you know, what you've done and how you've healed me. And I just know, I don't like this idea, but I just know someday we're going to be like in a fishbowl. Like I'm going to have to tell this story. And, um, and little did I know that that was only going to be a, a small part of the story. Cause I thought that was the worst it could be. <laughs> and, um, well, and it wasn't. <laughs> you correctly that he confessed it to you you didn't find out secondhand he confessed that he did it correct um yes in this for this one yeah he he was like listening to a sermon or something at that at that retreat and you know 
was overcome and called me. What happens to you when you have a home full of kids, daddy comes home and you're playing house and you, Lisa, are in there having this, this truth that you're trying to wrestle with and be mom and be a teacher and all the things you're doing. What does that look like for you? What is that? feel like? what? How did you operate from hour to hour? And how did it affect you when the kids were asleep and you were alone with your husband? Yeah. Well, I will say um, this, at this time, the oldest child was seven and we hadn't had the youngest one yet. So they were like, you know, seven and down. Um, So they were still little enough that we, I was able to keep it under wraps for them. I, I, I just really did my day and, and, uh, I, I really, really, really lean heavily on my, my time with the Lord every morning. And, um, so you, you know, were powering through, you were just powering. I just power, I just powered through on that one. Exactly. Because I, like I said, I just, I wasn't getting any other help and I couldn't even talk to my mom about it or anything, you know, did your mom um, it, no, she never knew. Well, she didn't know until years later when the next, blow up happened. So yeah. So there's what happened next. Then there's more to So anyway. Yeah. So we're talking, so seven, eight years go by. Right. And I, we're, we're doing great. I mean, we are doing so great. I have grown so much. I've learned a lot. And, um, and I really, I would say that I 100% trusted him again. Like I got to that point, you know, maybe 99%, like it was good, like close. And we were just having a great time and life was good. And that particular summer ended up just being the best summer of our lives because, um, you know, we took, we didn't get to travel a ton, but we t- tried to do what we could because I'm big on experiences, right? So we piled all the kids in a camper and went out West and did the big trip for my son. Uh, cause he was graduating from high school that year. And, And, um, so we had this wonderful, awesome, amazing summer. We had an amazing graduation party for him, just like, you know, a couple hundred people. And it was just so much fun. And I just was having the time of my life. And then that summer we were getting together with lots of friends and camping with them and just having so much fun. And, um, and then that fall we took our, our son to Florida to college. So it was like my first baby, you know, leaving the home and he went all the way to Florida. So, Um, it was just a big year and a lot happened and it was, but yet it was so good. It was just really good. And we got back from Florida and, um, yeah, without going into too much detail, basically, um, my husband got a call or a text from, um, from somebody from, I'm going to say the other couples, you know, the husband, um, basically he found out somehow she told him whatever, Anyway, so he decided to tell me that night that he had an inappropriate texting relationship with somebody. Um, And, you know, so he was confessing that. Well, based on our past experience already that I've already lived through with him 20 years, you know, I wasn't real happy about that. And um, but I I said, you know what, I just went to bed. And I was angry, but I got up the next morning and I got in my chair and I was praying, talking to the Lord. And, oh, I, can I tell you a really quick story? So the day before, I, I um, th- there's lots of little ins and outs that are so cool that are God stories. I know we don't have time for all of them, but I was praying the day before um, about, you know, the, the verse in Corinthians about, you know, to, you know, all these, th- these three things remain, love, hope, love, how's it go? Love, hope, um, hope and faith. Yeah. Love, faith, and hope. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I 
should have had it written down. But anyway, so I just remember thinking, I heard God tell me, you know, you're doing really great with like faith and hope right now, but you know, you're going to really need to work on love. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. So somebody had piano lessons that afternoon. So I went over to the library and spent another half an hour working on that verse. And really, and I journaled, I said, you know, I copied it down and I wrote down, God, please help me love Jeff, you know, with your love. Okay. Now the next day, is when I, I, I hear this, I hear this news. And um, so that's just a little snippet of how God worked and how he prepared me, I feel in some ways. Um, but I also really feel like there were a lot of ways, symbols, symbolisms that had happened that I felt like we were really under attack. Like just, you know, we <laughs> that'd be really wanted to destroy us. And um, so anyway, I was praying that morning and I was like, I just knew, you know, that whole, that you know, basically if he doesn't get his life together, I just knew in my heart that there was something else, you know, so I, he had left, he'd given me a kiss and gone to work and I texted him and I said, you know, if there's anything else, you better let me know. I said, because your sin will find you out. And he replied with my sin has found me out because um, he had gotten another call that, you know, life had blown up in the other, in the other camp. <laughs> so, um, so that was the shattering uh, that a shattering that I had never, it didn't even touch the first one because, you know, I had worked so hard to trust him again. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, and, and now you're right. Not see, now your question of how did I get up and deal with my kids? This is where that became extremely difficult because they were older. They were teenagers and they can I could not energy. hide it. Yeah. So well, say- no, because I was so much more, I mean, I don't want to say I was more broken because I was very broken the first time, but this time it took a toll on me that was just not hideable. I couldn't hide it. Okay. I have a couple questions. Is it okay? If I okay. Ask? Yeah. All right. So when you say it blew up in the other camp, do you mean that the other side, the other family, somebody found out. So it was a married person he was involved with. Is that what you meant by that? Correct. Yes. And that's who called him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then you found out it was more than a texting relationship. Correct. It had been going on for six months and it was one of the people that we'd been hanging out with all summer. So there's a double betrayal there. Yes. Oh, yes. That shines a whole was, light. So you're not just dealing with the betrayal and the trust in your marriage. It's also betrayal and trust from a friend. Correct. And I lost friends because of that. Like all certain friendships had to end because of it as well. And it just was devastating to me. I'm, I'm um, sorry that you went through that. And I'm so grateful that you're sharing this with people you don't even know in hopes that we can help them through their story, because this is, this is huge. Mm -hmm. What you're sharing is huge. So Mm -hmm. now I imagine when the kids are out of the house, you and Jeff are not so warm and cozy. No, nope. And, um, you know, I don't know, it's hard to tell the story because I don't want to give you all sorts of unnecessary details really, but you know, it just became, I was in shock. You know, I've, I've done a lot of Obviously, in, the la- in that last five years, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of books. I've read books. I've been to, we've been to conference. We've been, you know, I've learned a lot. And one of, this is called betrayal trauma. And um, really, it is a trauma. Many, many women um, who experience this actually have a form of PTSD, at least for a time when it lasts so long. But I mean, all of the physical symptoms 
and you really, really think you're crazy. You really think you're going crazy, but I could not control like what my body was doing. It was, you know, and I'm sure lots of other trauma victims of various, of various kinds, you know, have experienced that or something like that. But, um, you know, and this is, and I'm always has just been a relatively, you know, kind of stable person. Right. And now I felt like I was literally going crazy because I, I couldn't, um, I, I had trouble going in public. And, <laughs> um, so I will say though, I, I, you know, how I mentioned we didn't get any help the first time this time, what happened was, and I mean, almost the very first words out of my mouth were go next door and tell my parents what you did right now, go tell them what you did. Because I just knew, first of all, I was not going to survive if I had to hide this. <laughs> um, and my parents, you know, they're, we're really close and, you know, we have a really good relationship and um, I just, I don't know, I just needed that done. And I was like, and you're doing it. I'm not, you did this. So you're going to tell him. And so, you know, I stayed home and he went and that was kind of the beginning. And um, we asked my dad and another older friend of ours that lives in another city, you know, we asked. We, Jeff called him and he started calling him on a weekly basis for accountability and stuff. But we asked them both, please find us a, I said, he, he asked, you actually have, you have to go get help immediately, you know, like, so they, we asked them each to find somebody that specialized in this, you know, because at this time I knew, okay, okay, we're dealing with sex addiction here because he, he had told me other things, you know, about his boxes and the fact that he was working so hard to get people to like him, you know, everybody, but me, right. As a person he should have cared most about, but um, so independently, these two men that live three hours apart came up with the same therapist that is in a completely different city in another direction. So we knew this was where he needed to go. So, you know, we did these hour and a half drives of me screaming and hollering at him because I, I was so terrified to even let him go anywhere alone at this point. I mean, it was just like trauma, Christine. It's like, I, I can't explain it anything, any other way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how that all went um forward my counsel how long were what you, was that how long were you in counseling with this? well he we didn't really go together it was I drove with him but he I only went in there with like actually once with him and I think he went maybe six or eight times over the course of a year because it like I said it was quite expensive we had to pay cash you know like I said single income we were driving far <laughs> right, right. um but but also the therapist said, I've never, he literally never had a guy come in and fall on his sword like Jeff did. And I really think that is another key. And, you know, we, we can heal whether or not the other person does, but I think one of the things that helped me a lot is in that not everybody necessarily gets to have is that he fell on his sword this time. He did not try to blame me in any way, shape or form. He completely saw and understood what he had done. He saw and has understood how much he has hurt me and um, what he stood to lose and all of that. So, because I've had a lot of people ask me, gosh, why did you stay with him? You know, after a second time, and I can't really explain it other than, you know, I, my kids and my God and um, that Jeff, he, he changed immediately and he, he, visibly I could see him working you know he would get up every day and, and do his bible you know do bible he, he just he vigilantly if that's a if that's a word um <laughs> uh spent a year you know where I could see 
him working. Now, was I, was I wonderfully happy? No, of course not. But I'm just saying that's what kept me in the game because I could see that, um, God was working, that he was working. And so I was willing to, to give him that one last chance, you know, because for my family and for my kids, and I didn't want to lose all the investment that we put into our life together. I have to ask you, did you ever say, get your act together or the kids and I are out? Did you ever do that? Did it even cross? You mean after this happened? Yes. After, um, I always told him that, and, and to this day, I still say this, (laughs) you know, basically three strikes and you're out. So if there's ever another time I'm out, buddy, you know? So, um, no, I've not, I never really did threaten to leave at this, you know, per se. And we didn't separate or anything. Decision to stay. Did you ever wrestle with that and, and feel bad for that decision or were you, were you resolute and moving forward? Did you ever have that internal dialogue where you were wrestling in your own head? Like, am I doing the right thing? I would say, and again, everybody's journey and story, and there's so many different factors that are different for each person. But for me, no, I really did not wrestle with that. I made a decision right away that I was going to see this through again, unless, you know, there was some major relapse or something. Um, But he has been very, he has been steadfast and it's been five years now. So, um, you know, that, that was one of those things that, you know, you can't, you you can't judge by words. You have to judge by behavior. And um, that only can be seen in time. I will say I have, this is a neat little story though. The night, the the night that that it blew up, I mean, I went about my life that day because I was walking around like a zombie. Like I, I was in shock. Like I went to, I think I had a chiropractic appointment (laughs) that day, you know, and we had church that night and it was just so overwhelmingly horrible. But that night he's like, well, do you want me to sleep somewhere else? And I was like, no, care. It's your bed. You know, like I was just very, whatever. And so, you know, we went to bed. Well, I woke up in the middle of the night. See, th- th- this is why I think answers that question of why I never really wrestled about leaving because this is what the things that would happen. So in the middle of the night, I woke up at like four in the morning and I was just kind of praying and, and, and God was like, you know, God doesn't, or Jeff does not understand my love. He just, he, cause what, what I also learned was Jeff said that he's always felt like God didn't love him. And that was, I think one of his biggest, well, that is one of his biggest problems that he had, that he was always trying to fill that God hole with other things. Cause he never really thought God could love him because of all the bad things that he had done and just what a horrible person he was like, this is, but I never knew that he felt like this, you know, but he told me that day, the day it blew up. So that's why I just learned that from him that day. So in the middle of the night, God says, I know Jeff doesn't know I love him, you know, and the only way that the way he really understands love is physical touch. And so um, I just really felt the Lord telling me that I needed to give him a kiss and tell him, you know, that God loves him. And I was like, are you kidding me, God? Like, oh my gosh, like I, I there was just no way I wanted to do that. Right? I didn't want to touch him. And um, so try to make that long story short in the morning, at like six o'clock in the morning, I just couldn't couldn't get rid of that. Like I just knew I had to do that. And so I kind of woke him up and I gave him a kiss and said, you know, God loves you. And I, and I did three of them with a a different thing, you know, that he's, he's not going to leave you and he, that he forgives you. And um, so that was kind of the very beginning of, because he broke 
down in sobs. Jeff just, he said, he just, he just, he just broke down in sobs because he realized that God really did love him because I did that for him. Or well, I did that because God let me to, I would have never in my right mind had done that on my own. <laughs> um, so I feel like there's things like that, that happened that I just, I knew God was in it. And I, I was in, I was in this, but it was a very, very ugly, not pretty, you know, walk for years to come, but I still just kept showing up. You did. Okay. Like, and you guys through this whole time you were involved in your church. Um, we were involved in that. Well, kind of, we ended up at staying at that church for a year. This is where my story gets funny. Well, this, this will be kind of the, the, up the healing part now, because <sighs> You know, I had, I was struggling to homeschool at that point because I wasn't functioning well. Um, I mean, I was very much curled up on the bathroom floor in a ball, in a fetal position for many hours, you know, and I, I, I truly did in this process have suicidal thoughts and it was a very long and dark, horrible time. And it was very hard for me to get up and go do school with my kids every day. And um, so I, I kind of made it through that school year because this was September. So I made it through that year kind of, (laughs) and, um, but we wanted to put the youngest in the private school that was here in town. And so I didn't have money to do that. So I decided I would go get a job and, you know, and I have this professional degree, but I'd been out of the field for so long. I did not feel prepared, not, especially not mentally ready to be able to handle anything like that. So I took a job cleaning toilets at, um, at a local church. And that was how I went back to work. And, um, so that I could pay for him to go to school because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And, um, the other kids were a little older, so they could do more on their own. So, um, I remember that summer I went to a coaching training, a life coaching training that I had signed up before this had happened because I am always into like, you know, self growth and learning. And I was just really interested in learning about life coaching. So I went to this training and I met a therapist there who went to another church in town. And so we kind of connected and, um, she, I ended up going to her for for counseling because she's a therapist (laughs) that we, that summer. And, um, one day she called me, I was so worried that you were going to tell me that you were on your bathroom floor with suicidal thoughts and you did this without counseling. I'm so glad. That you I really only went to counseling a few times, but I did a lot of other things like yeah. a lot. I, I will. I mean, I, I did, um, I kind of did a one-on-one study with another woman that, that I ended up meeting that, you know, we did a, a full recovery book actually together. Okay. Um, and then the two of us led a group of women through that same book. So I've been, you know, so I did that. Um, Jeff and I went out to California actually to a, um, a marriage. It was actually an infidelity, uh, retreat kind of, it wasn't specific about sex addiction, but it was about infidelity. And we went and did a whole weekend intensive out there. So, I mean, I did do a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of things, but I did go see her privately too. And, um, so anyway, I kind of developed this relationship with her. I only went a few times, like I said, whenever I needed it, um, because I'm super duper, like I'm a, an annoying kind of do therapy on myself person nonstop. Like it's, it's kind of annoying actually. (laughs) But, um, so she called me one day, I was literally scrubbing a toilet and I was crying and I was saying, God, is this really, is this, okay. You brought me all this way, right. To scrub toilets. Like what is going on? And she called me and said, 
Hey, I need to know that the name of that therapist that Jeff went to, you know, and I, so I gave her the name and number of him. And she said, and when are you going to come and start working with me? And I was like, really? Like, I would love to like yesterday. (laughs) And she said, well, let's do it. And, um, so that right there was like this weird opening for me. I mean, I had been a stay at home mom for 18 years and, um, you know, I really planned on going back to work more like when my youngest was, you know, almost out of the house, kind of like another eight years kind of a thing. And, um, so that began a a journey. So for a year I did all of that. And I was working as a part-time as a therapist with this other friend and with her supervision and, um, you know, and I studied and I, you know, went and took my exam and I passed my exam. It was very scary. I mean, I was so scared. I can't even tell you all of these steps were just very scary for me, but I just kept doing it. And, um, and then that little job didn't quite last super long, but I ended up, uh, getting a job pretty quickly as a school social worker. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I had to take a few more grad classes to get, a uh, you know, uh, approved for that. Uh, so I did that. And so then I became fully licensed within two years. And so it's just, you know, God has been amazing and I've done a lot of cool things. And now I've been doing that for four years. And, um, but I will say all of that was, I don't know how to explain it because it's like, I, I was doing it and it was going well and it was, life was, was going okay. But like, I was inside just constantly in trauma, like just always anxious, just so scared, like, oh my gosh, you know, and all the healing work that I'd been doing on my own and with Jeff, you know, because like you said, you know, we had many, 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 many nights where we were literally up all night long talking, you know, because I would make him answer every single question that I wanted answered. I'd make him answer them over and over and over again, because I needed what, what I needed. I asked for. And, um, the biggest, and that goes along with what I said, why I think I could heal because he not only did he change and repent, he did whatever I asked. He just did. Um, whatever I needed to feel safe, whether it be, um, boundaries with his phone or, you know, you know, he couldn't go somewhere without me, or I I would make it, I made him once I made him call, um, an older man that was going to be at one of his trainings, you know, that tell, I said, you have to tell him what you did and that he is now going to be your accountability partner while you're there, (laughs) you know, so you have to do what you have to do if you're going to work on this marriage and save it. Yeah, exactly. And he was willing. And I think that's the biggest, I think that's a, I give him a lot of credit for that because it wasn't easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, did he give up the rights to his phone? Did you have access to all of his? I had his phone in my possession for months. For months. And then, months. and even now, now but and now, now I have access to it still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so That's a rule. I think every husband and wife should have that rule, period. Okay. And he didn't give you any resistance for that? No. No. And just out of curiosity, did anything show up that you, that made you go, oh, so this person doesn't know your wife has your phone? Did that, I mean, cause I think that's in every wife's the back of her mind. Like, well, if I have his phone now, we did have a couple of things come up. Yes. Because he, over the years, he, you know, he, he definitely still had a flirting issue, you know? So, uh, even though he may not have like done something with somebody, you know, there was a few of those that kind of, uh, trickled in a little that I responded to. Um, As the wife. but he, I'm, I'm sorry. Responded as the wife or did you respond? As- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. Good for you. Yeah. (laughs) 
but um he he really changed how he acts too he learned a lot like we like i said we did a lot of work together and he understood a lot of the things he was doing you know um that gives the wrong impression to other people mm-hmm. you know because he was trying to get those you know get me get people to like him you know that was one of his issues um and so he talked with women in a way that I'm sure would give the wrong impression at times. So I, we, we worked on these things, you know, and just, you know, different boundaries and things, you know, that you don't just, you don't hug them. You know, there's certain rules like you, you just, you don't get that right anymore, you know? Um, and, and so, yeah, and he, he was, he was extremely good about, about all of that. Well, and there were times that he also, like there were rules, like, you know, he's not allowed to delete anything off his phone. So every so often, you know, he has me do that. Um, you know, if he had a faltering moment or he had a, something happen, you know, he told me right away. And so that built trust for me, you know, um, there was even an email by the other person, by the former person. Um, she tried to contact him via his work email and, uh, that I replied to that again with my email. So, um, and we haven't had any other problems since, but with that, so and is he um, active on social media or no? No, nope. Actually, that was another thing he did. Uh, whatever social media he had, it was gone that day, gone. And it's been five years and he still really doesn't have any. The only thing he's done now is um, Facebook Messenger because of groups that we're in and stuff like with sports. He's a coach and things like that. So, so no, he gave that up too. Okay. Sounds like you... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not going to paint a picture that it's been anything that would be easy, but it isn't, if you have a man that's willing to do whatever it takes to see Mm -hmm. what he has, I mean, that's a sign that that gives you the choice that puts you in a powerful position to choose. Like, do I want to work with this person and fix this? Or do I want to, do I want to walk away? So he, I mean, he gave you, he gave you something to work with. And I think that speaks a lot for his integrity, even though he did have these issues. And I, before we started this, you told me a little bit about uh, something that you hit on before we even started the podcast. And I think it would be really interesting for you to talk about two things. One, you said it was really important for you to know that this was not your fault because a lot of wives feel guilty and responsible. And the Mm -hmm. second thing that you mentioned was, for your situation, your husband's situation, this was a sex addiction. This was, this is a true addiction. And it, you know, you don't, you don't, if somebody has any type of addiction, you don't label them as a bad person. You try to treat the addiction and recover from the addiction. So can you speak to those two things? One first about women in this position where they may be beating themselves up, trying to fix it and what their role should be when I know everybody's story is different, but in your story, especially, I thought that was powerful because not the broken one. And then if they do have a sex addiction, we'll speak to that afterward. Right. Well, I think um, how, first of all, I had um, somebody give me a book that was about infidelity. You know, it was a Christian book kind of about infidelity. And I started reading it and immediately it made me feel like, you know, oh my gosh, they're telling me this is all my fault. And I mean, can I be honest and say, I literally ripped that book up into shreds and threw it all over my living room <laughs> Good, and, and, and made him find that and he cleaned it up. But cause I was just so like, I can't even, I, I was just like, what? Like I have spent the last 10 years doing everything 
And I mean, everything I could to be perfect, to, to look perfect, to love him perfectly, to be the best mom I could be, to make him look good. Like I've been making him look good all these years, you know? And I'm like, what? Like, how can this even be? And so I think that my advice to, to others would be that, you know, it's important to, to get help. Like if, if, if you have a marriage problem, you know, it's a communication problem or something where, you know, everybody's got to work on something, you know, there is that. And I'm not saying I was perfect because I wasn't. Um, but if you, I, if you know, there's, it, there's an addiction and I think it's important to get that, to get that determined, I guess, professionally, if you don't know. Um, so that it can be treated, um, in that regard, because all that did was hurt me more and, um, traumatize me more and make me feel like I am never going to, I'm never going to get through this. This is all my fault. I am a wor- terrible, worthless person. Right. And, um, everybody is going to think that about me. And, um, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's not your fault. And even if let's say, you know, um, I think it's important to note, and Jeff would tell you this, that even if, you know, you do have some issues or maybe there was kind of a, um, a lack of something, you know, that everybody is responsible for their own behavior. And just because you're not a perfect spouse, that doesn't give any spouse the, the, the license to, you know, break their vows. So, um, yeah. And what was the second question? How did you determine it was sex addiction? Was that a diagnosis? Was that something that became aware after reading and counseling? How And then what does that look like? If someone doesn't know the difference between somebody just having a one night stand or sex addiction, like how, what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I wouldn't be able, I'm not an expert <laughs> on it, but I, you know, I think for me, I knew it because I, you know, I'd kind of been learning a little bit about it over the years. Right. I mean, I read and I, I, um, I try to get, I've been trying to educate myself about different things. And so I kind of heard about it over the years and stuff. And I knew porn was, I knew porn was addicting. Um, so I already knew that was in his life. And I wouldn't, I, I watched patterns. I think addiction, I don't know, maybe you could speak to that too. You know, you, you see patterns, right? I mean, um, with his issues of always over the years, you know, I'd, we, we'd been, I'd already been through this now several times and he had already, you know, kind of gotten in trouble for flirting or doing this or that, or, you know, somebody report, you know, there was little things that had happened over the years. Um, and another thing was, is when I learned about the whole compartmentalization thing. Um, and then I also heard, I hate to use this word, but you know, I, he, I you know, he really had um, compulsive masturbation that he used for managing his stress. It became a habit. It was something that he did to cope with life. Mm-hmm. And he was hiding it and doing it without me knowing it, which is another sign of that. A lot of people listening, I'm sure, have a gazillion questions, and I'm trying to anticipate what they would be. But my first question after this is, did you have an intimate relationship after this big blow up? Did you cut like, off after you found out he was betraying you with a friend? Did, I mean, was he cut off? Did you share a bed but not have intimacy did you, how did you handle that? Because that's a big piece of marriage, right? That so is. Did, did, um, did you allow yourself to, or did Well, you- for me, it's been a journey because, and, and, and what I've learned um, in like the, re- the intensives that I've been to and in a lot of the books and studies that I've done, this is a, it's very common 
for it to be very erratic, actually. Um, there's, a, I don't remember the actual term, but there's a phenomenon of like where you, where people actually do it a lot initially. Okay. Um, I think it's like that need to feel safe, to feel like you're, you know, we're, you're, we're, we're together. You're not going to leave me, you know? So we kind of went through that. We've been very hot and cold. Like I just, basically I have to, for me, I am just such an introspective, constant working on myself person that, um, we just talk about it a lot. Sometimes we just talk about it. In fact, just this week we talked about it, like, you know what? Um, I need some time. I think I need some, I'm working on some things right now. And, um, you know, so I, again, communication was key and he let me be the leader has always pretty much let me and when, and, you know, not, like I said, we're a few years out now. So, you know, it's been a little bit looser, you know, as far as that goes, but, um, you got a safe space. You have, he's created a space for you to feel like there's no mocking you going, look, you can trust me already. He's not doing any of that. He's giving you the space to heal and process. And he's a company. Exactly. And that's huge. I do feel blessed. Not that I've been through this, <laughs> but that because this time around, he, he was willing to do the work, um, that it's, it's brought us to an even better place than we were before ever actually. I love that. I love that's how you're on the other side. Now, the other question I have is, have you confided in your kids? Do they know? Well, yep. Um, they do all know now. Um, not initially. Um, it's very funny because the first, the first day or two, he lined them all up on the couch and stood, I think he was even in his uniform and got on his knees and just sobbed in front of them and, and told them how sorry he was for being a bad husband and a bad, and they're all just looking at him like, what's going, dad has lost his mind. <laughs> this was such a, a long process of, of, of guilt and shame that I had to work through. You know, like, I didn't want to look at my, my kids. I didn't want to talk about it with them. I couldn't, it was so hard for me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now I am very thankful that um the three oldest kids i mean they even refer to it now kind of like they it's it's we have praised the lord we've we've dealt with it in a healthy enough way anyway that it's assimilated now as part of our story and they have had to work through it too especially the girls they have have had really hard time you know forgetting their dad um but you know i we talk about it and it's referred to you know, and they've learned from it. And so it's, it's not like this thing that never gets referred to. That was also very difficult. I didn't want them to know, obviously, but because of their ages, it, it, this time around that, that had to happen. So, and it upset me because it made me feel like, you know what, you, you're, you're going to ruin my kids. Like, I mean, I was like, I worked so hard. You're ruining everything. You know, that's how I felt initially. Well, it's we what, are all moving forward with any situation that happens to us, right? It's not what happens, mm-hmm. what we do with it. And you yeah. chosen to turn it into something beautiful. And yeah. whatever choice any woman makes, any listener, whatever situation 
um, you know, Lisa, your life was never on the line. You were not being physically abused. It wasn't anything like that right? Um, where, you know, you you and the children where you needed to be safe. It, you were having, you were, you were playing house nice. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we didn't have any of those, any of those concerns reasons that mm-hmm. you had to flee for your safety. And so that this choice for you to stay is so admirable. And I think it takes a level of fierce and inner fortitude that a lot of women would say, mm, forget that. I'm not doing it anymore. Like I, you know, I, I'm so inspired by listening to what you, what you manage and how you manage that you're on the other side. And it sounds like you guys are enjoying each other. We as, are yeah, together, but also as a family that this has turned into something beautiful. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. marriage isn't perfect. And things happen. And this is what happened with your parents. And we're still working through it because we love each other. And yeah. I, I think that's just such a beautiful testimony. Yeah. <laughs> to be able to share for your kids. I agree. And one thing I did do, um, I ended up writing a long letter explaining to my kids um, a little bit about kind of where their dad came from, like sort of how he got where he got there, you know, how he got there, you know, this was something that he as a kid developed truly, you know, and I'm not blaming, you know, his parents per se, but I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of his issues came from either a lack of skill development or whatever there, you know, I essentially explained to them, you know, how much this is worth it. And that if essentially, if I can forgive him, so can you, Mm. and that, you know, God has forgiven him too. And, and that is like, I just wanted them to not hate their dad. You know, I wanted them to still love their dad and not be mad at him. Um, so I ended up writing that letter to the older kids, um, in hopes to encourage them that it's going to be okay. And we're going to, we're good, you know, and that, um, that we can, we can do this. We can forgive. So, um, I did do that. Um, I also wanted to mention that my friend and I did in our recovery program that we did together was discuss, you know, exit plans. And, um, part of my, part of my growth and healing has been developing myself and, and fiercely. Okay. Um, where I, figured out this is what I, that I, I don't have to have this person. I don't have to have him to be a whole person or to be a happy person. And I worked on that in my recovery. And that is a, I think a really big piece of this. And I think it goes along with a lot of the things that you talk about in your work. Um, you know, just that whole loving yourself and that we can, we don't, like for me, it was like, I, it, no matter what happens, you know, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And that's what, how I really was able to move forward in a relationship where I did not trust this person. I did not trust him at all. I mean, I still struggle with that, but for years I did not trust him. And so it's like, how do you build a life with a person that you don't trust? Right? Like that was super weird and hard. And I didn't even, I didn't like it. Um, so I had to do the, a lot of this inner work on, okay you know what? I'm holding this loosely. Like, this is what I want. I'm going to do this. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to do this for my kids, but I'm going to do it for me because guess what? I'm going to be okay no matter what happens. So that's that. That's one of the ways I think I'm really different now than I was before because I, I found my identity 
in being perfect. I found my identity in being the perfect wife and the perfect mom. And, um, that that's who I was. And that if I'm not that, then I'm nothing. And, um, you know what I could, I could lose my whole family tomorrow and then I'm not a mom or a wife anymore. So then what am I, you know? And so I learned that I'm okay, no matter what. And, um, and I can handle anything. Oh, that's power. I love that. I love that because that's what we need. And when we're in the middle of the, when we're in the mud, we can't always see it. But if you did all the work and you start to believe it, and I know this from my personal experience, when we believe, we really believe we're going to be okay. We know it might hurt, but we know we're going to be okay. That's empowering. That's, that's it really, yeah. That's, I just yeah. love that you did that. That's awesome. And I really think that's the best way to go ahead to move forward when you're still learning to trust because you're right. You can't trust this person. How are your kids now? How old are they? And what are your dreams in, uh, for like your future with your husband? Like, tell me what, what your dream is for what, what you guys want to do as the kids. What we're doing. Oh, <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Okay. Well, my kids are 24, 22, 20 and 17 and 13. And so there's just two at home. The other three I have moved out and they're all doing well. Excellent. I'm proud of them. They're all like supporting themselves and, and, um, you know, we still chat a lot and they're doing great, but I work full time now, whereas, you know, all those years I didn't. So that's been a big change for me. And, um, he retired. So, <laughs> um, reversed. we kind of reverse roles a little bit and, uh, that's, been interesting, been fun, you know. Um, but we, what, what's really happened in this last year? I've always been a very active person. I've always loved walking and working out and and things like that. Well, I finally got him to go backpacking with me last summer. We went and did um, like a forty mile trip. We did Pictured Rocks, which people in Michigan would know where that is. But um, and we just just fell in love. We um, have three trips planned this summer. Um, we're going to, you know, 40, 50, 60 mile trips and we're going to go, we've been building our gear and just, it's just been so much fun doing that together. And we're out training and hiking now whenever we can. Um, and then we have the goal when this last kid, you know, flies the coop where we want to go and hike the Appalachian trail, like do a through hike, you know, like the six month, six month thing. And so we've got goals like that, that we really are looking forward to doing fun things that you're going to do together. And I think that yeah. just inspires hope that you can be on the other side and still enjoy mm-hmm. and have a good time and, and make, yes. make it, make your, make it worthwhile. I always like to leave our listeners with some keys that they could take if they're going through a similar story. What would a key be one or two keys? Have you thought about that? What they could take it and walk away with and apply right now. What would be something mm. that helped you move through this that we could close this episode with today? Um, I think one of my mantras, uh, has just been, uh, you just have to keep showing up. And for me, that looked like screaming and hollering at God, screaming and hollering at my husband, frankly, um, you know, hiding on my bathroom floor, doing whatever it took for me to, Uh, you know, and every day I would get up and have my coffee and get in my chair, right? Like I just had my quiet time every day. And I would sometimes just be sobbing. I'd be screaming, whatever, because I was angry at God. And I talked to him about that a lot because I was like, you're going to stop this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that if you can just remind yourself to just keep showing up, even if it's 
just tiny, tiny, tiny. And so I don't really know what that looks like for every person. Um, but maybe each person could define that for themselves. What does that mean to show up? You know, it might just mean, you know, taking your shower and every day, <laughs> little things like that. I, if you just keep showing up, God's going to keep getting you through, you know, you just have to keep one step, whatever it is, just do the next thing. It might just be shower. Like I said, it might just be go wash a dish <laughs> or, um, you know, cry in your chair, but um, I think showing up is big um, and developing your, your support system. Don't do it alone. You know, not, not just with, you know, if you have a faith, but, um, but your friends and, and family, you know, not everybody necessarily deserves to know your story, but you definitely need to have people that you can talk to. And I sort of had these different friends. And what I found was that I would call or text different people, depending on what I needed right then, you know, like, um, you know, how just some people are going to give you the tough love, right? Like my dad would, <laughs> um, you know, and some people, you know, if I just was really hurting uh, about a certain area that I knew that they could speak to. And then the other thing that I really liked about that is I didn't wear anybody out. I tried not to anyway, I tried not to just bug one person all the time. So I think developing your support system is huge. The other thing I would say is you can be happy. Like you can do this again. Whether, whether, whether or not you, you know, you stay married, I mean, everybody's outcomes are going to vary and, and all of that. Um, but you know, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it because good comes again and usually better than what you ever thought it could be. That's so. not note to end on. I mean, really, that's a great, that's a great ending. I love that. And I'm so grateful that you spent the time to be so vulnerable and honest with us today. And I know that everybody that's listening, that's going through a similar thing, like, like Lisa said, you may not have a similar result or a similar ending, but the hope and the support system and all of the things that she just shared with you are, it's just inspiring. And I hope you're as inspired as I am. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful that you spent this time with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Women like Lisa who share their story just in hopes that they can help one other person get through their own story are admirable. They're brave. And if you are in a situation similar to where Lisa was, I hope you found this podcast helpful. I hope you found a nugget in there that you can take and move the needle forward in your life. Lisa has made herself available for anyone who may want to reach out and chat with her. You can reach her through contacting me at fiercefunfeminine at yahoo.com. Ladies, I'm so glad you spent this time with us. Until next time, have a fierce, fun, feminine, and fabulous day.